chat, right? Hello, Janet. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. I had one heck of a day. So I'm trying cool. I um I uh <laughs> I had um car problems and when well, in the farm when I get to flat I suppose but um but uh AAA lost my car keys. Oh no. And it had to do with their new policy about during COVID, they can't have any riders yeah, going back with them to the place. Oh my so gosh. He dropped he dropped us, took my keys, took my car keys with him to get it off of the truck while I was fine getting a ride like you know, call, calling a friend and having a friend drive me all the way home. So I was in San Jose. And and then and I was in Mountain View. And and then um when I got there the keys were nowhere to be found, uh, and and the and the uh, I took it to America's Tire, and America's mm-hmm. Tire had uh, didn't have the keys either. Oh. Anyway, so I've been dealing with this back and forth, going to oh America's Tire, calling AAA, going back to the place where they got the tow truck. Anyway, I'm dead tired. <laughs> I just finished oh about an hour ago. Yeah. Did you get your car they found the keys finally. They found, they, they found it, and my car is taken care of, so everything is actually okay. But <laughs> it took all day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway. if you're going, you're to keep it short. Say that again? You still up for a phone call? Do you want to try and keep it short? want to... Yeah, let's you. go ahead and, 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 and try it. I mean, if you want to do it or whatever, but let's let's debrief as much as we can. And, uh, um, you know, to say, like, uh, what do you want? I mean, you go ahead and lead yeah, off. Sorry? I didn't quite hear what you said. Oh, I just said, let's go ahead and debrief. So you can go ahead and lead off. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm fully debriefed. I've had long talks with Ted and David, uh, which were intense but very productive, and a more relaxing call with Eric and uh, David Huffman yesterday. So I'm feeling good. Uh, Ted and I were through. Yeah, Ted, I'm not still not sure exactly what Stephen's issues are, but Ted had similar issues that he raised. He and I were able to work through, and that was very productive. And then David and I kind of talked through, um, you know, what worked well and things we want to try going forward. And it appears that we are on the same page. Uh, David Johnson has pointed out that I often think we're on the page and we're not, but uh, I feel like we are converging, which is encouraging and somewhat shocking to David. So that was a good sign. Yeah, and, that David is really talking about this now and coming out. You know, I'm seeing a lot of sides to him that 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 uh, it's kind of emerging a little bit more about who he is and what he's all about, and it's 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 very beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm really encouraged. I think that is um, uh, one of the things we talked about how in software 
there is uh, a concept of test-driven development where you first you have to write down like what the system's supposed to do, and then you can keep working until you actually get it implemented. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's hard. And what David's kind of doing for me is that he's sort of holding up the, uh, the, the testing of, is this making sense? Is this something the group is behind? And that is actually really useful for me to be able to, uh, in some sense, be more creative in trying different things uh, rather than me trying to hold both roles of uh, validation and creativity. Okay. Sorry. I'm good. How are okay. you Okay. Well, I'm glad. Well, they're all good guys, and I think, and you are too, and they've got a lot of, um, I think, really helpful things to, to say that can contribute, all of that. Um, you, 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 you have a direction you're going to go on next Tuesday? Okay, we have the topic that David assigned me last week, which I think is apropos on several levels. So, okay. um, you know, it um, is, I think, a good place to move the conversation forward. And okay. uh, the challenges. I, I look forward to reading what I write. I, I look so much less forward to, to writing it, but we'll get there. <laughs> it's helpful, though, for you for, for you to write it first. But, but I mean, I think. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, writing these out every week is definitely uh, helpful for me and often, but not always, helpful for others. Uh, but in some sense, having an assignment from David. Actually, I may as well mention this because I think it's a really interesting um, design pattern. Uh, it's just a of authority is that uh, we have sort of three sort of overlapping areas of responsibility. Ted's our host, he pays for the Zoom license and you know, owns the YouTube channel. I'm responsible for content. And what's happening is that David becomes so responsible for moderating the group. Um, and I really like this because it has a separation of power sort of thing where the person who, the one person is responsible for the facility and the finances, so like the producer, and another person is responsible sort of for the creative energy, and uh, like a director, and the third one is responsible for quality control, like the editor. And one of the things that um, is interesting to me is that, um, most churches have a sort of monolithic structure where they'll have like a pastor or elders, it's McCallie there, but um, kind of the same people are responsible for the boat. Whereas in the computer industry, we realize that you need to have QA, quality assurance testing in a separate organization uh, from engineering because the same people who are responsible for getting things done and then determining what is done, you have all these awkward conflicts of interest. Uh -huh. So I really like this this pattern, and we'll see if it's uh, kind of realizable beyond it. What's interesting is that yeah, uh, I'm, I, I'm liking too. it. I'm, I'm liking it too a lot. It was a, it's um, you know, kind of what I I saw a lot more with uh, everybody, myself included, being able to be like in the moment, uh, and then also offered opportunity to to to, to speak and also. 
opportunities to, you know, to do to lay issues on the table or to call out or to be genuine. It was actually working a lot. It was really working a lot. More like what I think you were um, originally having the goal to begin with about how do we how do we love Christ yeah. style? Are we working through the the tough parts of community of of, of communication? which is I have a conflict with you. And um and, and it was it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. Well, um anyway, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I don't know if I can really add to that anything that the, you know the guys have probably already shared yeah, with you. One thing I thought that I uh, want to your take what you still there? Yeah, Sorry if I'm talking yeah. over you. Yeah, one thing that it made me think of, and I'd be interested in your take on this, is that uh, a similar problem occurs with teachers, where teachers are responsible yeah. both for providing content and for assessing content. And sometimes it can get quite ugly, uh, but even without that, there's always there's a bit of a almost a conflict of interest or an amount of stress that the teacher and the assessor and, and one of the unfortunate consequences of that is this obsession around standardized testing. Uh, which say I can that again, the Ernie, and goes, and it's also really, it, it isn't, it's all, I'm not understanding you, but the connection isn't that good. Um, I'm getting about maybe the words. Ah, testing and one, so, two, three, testing one, two, three. Can I can you hear, hear me testing now? One, yeah, but, but, but go slow because it's, it's really muddled. It's almost as if you're talking through a rag or something. No, well, I'm talking to my um, mask. I'm an empty, open uh, area here so I can unmask. Is that better? What I just heard is I'm I'm talking through my nah and open area here somewhere. So that Testing. doesn't make any sense. One, two, three. Testing. Yeah, that's one. I could actually two, do that. Yeah. Three. <laughs> okay, good. This is good mindfulness practice. To breathe deeply and speak slowly. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, I, I might just have to slow you down or stop you and ask you to repeat it a couple of times because it can sound like I'm I'm t I'm uh, talking about my lollipop and my grandmother's army boots and you know that's how it kind of comes through. Okay. So, um, anyway, so uh, on with your thought. Maybe no, the the. the there's a question that occurred to me that I would like your take on is that okay. that same sort of conflict of interest often exists in education where the person teaching something and the person grading it is the same. Oh, and that leads okay. all sorts of interesting dynamics as well yeah, as this okay. massive and, and poorly understood uh, or awkwardly implemented, I guess, is a generous phrase, system of standardized testing. Well, standardized testing is the greatest problem with that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible problem, but it was created because of the other problem, which is that if the person teaching it is the person grading it, then there is, it, it's impossible to normalize. And, you know, the way I understand it, is that with no child left behind, uh, there was a big concern about um, 
teacher efficacy and you know the activists pushed for standardized tests and the teachers uh understandably were upset about the inappropriate ways that could be used but failed to suggest a constructive constructive alternative and so we sort of got stuck with the current system and that's one of the interesting things especially with COVID time and the massive upheaval in education and distance learning. Um, there's been a lot of talk about better ways of assessing progress and really even assessing learning and uh, growth. And that's one thing that I've always been, I don't say always, but certainly as a scientist, I've always been curious about. And since going into startups and business, the idea if you can change what people measure, you can change what people value. And you can unlock creativity in terms of what you can accomplish. Were you able to follow that? Yeah, I know, I'm really, that was very good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you can change what people measure, you can change what people value. That's true. I support that. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So so anyway, uh, that was my report. How about uh, so you raised a few issues, uh, things you were concerned about in terms of mixed messages, and I was curious if you wanted to talk any more about that. Yeah. Yeah, I I can talk about it, but I um. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's not easy to talk about because it's like, um, it's, um, I'm not even sure if I agree that much with my own opinion about it. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> difficulties. I mean, how can I say this? It's complex. Yeah. Part of Sometimes the reason why I hadn't even brought it up group is because, I haven't really even been sure that much about what that where I really think, but I also well, have to realize that if I have a hunch about something or a curiosity about something, I must not refrain from talking about it, even if I'm not going to be clean and clear. I think that was a takeaway that I was getting from Dave. He's saying there's something that's sort of a even a hunch or of an issue or something you want to check out with the group or with an individual, you know, don't wait until you really have your idea that forms. Just, you know, offer offer the love of sharing it and then also offer the love of standing corrected, you know, or whatever it is. And so um, here's the thing, mixed messages. Um, uh, I, I think I experienced message from you last week um, in our conversation and didn't yeah. and and wasn't really aware of until it kind of hit me until after the conversation was over and I thought wow I wonder what's going on with this conversation um and then I thought you know this kind of like the the, the way I end up experiencing the group too okay so here was the thing well um, I was 
uh, I was wondering, um, okay, so when you you pulled up the scripture of Matthew 23, uh-huh. Uh-huh. my Bible in front of me, uh-huh. you, you first started that process with me by asking me if I would... Scriptures. So, so you were the seeker, and I was the helper. Uh, do we talk at all at the Apples of Gold about seeker-helper relationship? Well, absolutely. We talked a lot about it. It even came up in some of our other conversations. Okay, seeker-helper. All right, so you get this idea. So, so when when um, someone well, even if it wasn't you, say, you know, anybody comes into the conversation and says, I'd like to have your opinion about this. Can you share with me your opinion? That person who's asking for the opinion is the seeker. Then the person who's answering and sharing their opinion is the helper. And then um, sometimes those roles can actually switch in the conversation. But but generally what happens when you get a mixed message is somebody who's the seeker is actually in their own mind being the helper. And then it gets really confusing. So, okay. The seeker says, Janet, can you give me an opinion about, about these verses? And so I was giving you, well, I think it says this. And then you were, and then you were saying, no, I think I already get that. In some way. So then I says, well, okay, I think it's also saying this. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So by the third time I was giving you my opinion, I was thinking, you know, I keep not getting what Ernie wants me to get out of this. So so he's he's already got some kind of an idea of what he wants me to get, but I'm not getting it. And so... So um, suddenly I realized Ernie isn't trying to be the seeker here. He's trying to be the helper. He's trying to get me to understand an idea um, that he wants me to pick up about about, um, what's important to him. And so you actually got a lot more clear when you came at it the second time and you you know, as the helper, and you said, how can I help you to not teach? And so when you actually were clear about you're the helper and you want to help me not teach, then I was going, oh, he's not a seeker. He's actually trying to help me to understand something that he wants me to know. It would be a lot easier if he came out the, in the first place and said, and said, I just want to help you to figure out how not to teach. Anyway, so this is the example. It starts off as seeker, but what it really is is a helper. And the other person can't get it because I felt like I was led down a garden path. And I was like, well, I'm trying to get this right. I'm trying to. And then finally you helped me to get it right because you jumped into explaining to me what you wanted me to know. So that kind of thing can happen in a group too, with the leaders. With the leadership, it's like the the motivation of the leader or the person who's directing directing everything 
if uh, to be to be a little bit to be a little bit unclear and then we're kind of trying to hit the broad side of a barn in um you know in in uh, how we behave in the group and 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 then I I don't think that's what you want at all either. I don't think I explained this very clearly. Are, are you getting no, anything? No, I think you're saying really well. Uh, do you want me to try and repeat okay. it back to see if I understood you? Yeah. Okay. So to paraphrase it, is that uh, it feels like you know when you look at a conversation, you look at it through the frame of speaker and helper, and I was giving off helper signals or speaker signals in terms of appearing that I was just innocently asking you a question. But in fact, I was really um, uh, had a concern that I wanted to help you with, well, I wanted to explore yeah. and, and help you with if you were open to it. And therefore, yeah. I uh, sort of, um, let's say, I, so I sent, but, uh, maybe rather than mixed messages, I prefer the term confusing signals. And I sent confusing signals, which you at first thought was one thing, but then it turned out to be another thing. And that was disorienting and helped, and from your perspective, but it uh, delayed us making progress on the actual topic. Yeah. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. And, and the interesting thing is, it's disorienting, or, and, but yet I couldn't really put my finger on it while it was going on. Um, or I couldn't say I'm disoriented about this. I was just going along trying to figure it out. And then after, and after the conversation was over, you know, then it then it starts. I, I start to think it through. Like Janet, what what signals were you getting? You know, what's going on? Then then I could ask the questions that were helping me to sort out how I experienced the whole thing. So part of it is that. Um, it, uh, me as the other, per, you know, the other person on the end, I might be a little slow, too, uh, which is normal. I mean, a lot of people get, can get lost in these things and not be able to process it until a little bit later and then go, oh, I wonder if this was happening. And sometimes that can happen with, with, uh, with me, too. But, but um, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um. And when it all came down to it, the issue that you were concerned about, I can, I, I, I totally, I think I get. Uh, at least, yeah, I think. I mean, as much as I understand, I, I think, I, I think I get. You know, um, more, a little bit more about what we're trying to do as a group, and how I can possibly facilitate better to, you know. If, if it's ever my turn to do that again um, and free everybody up, uh, you know, more in the process to be whoever they are, which is, I think, something that you want. Um, any comments? What do you think? Are you there? Sorry, I muted for a bit. Yeah. So anyway, thank you. I think that's really interesting. 
And uh, first of all, I don't think it's that you're slow. I prefer to say that the problem is complicated. <laughs> um, uh, we have a saying, uh, there is no user error. There's only inadequate design. And so I'm always saying, how? Uh, is there a way to improve the system so that it works better for people rather than having to try to make people uh, fit within the system, if that makes sense? Uh-huh. And one of the things I, I'm curious about is I think the framing of helper and seeker is really powerful. I can't help but wonder if, because you were so aware of those frameworks, is if my confusing signals made the confusion worse. As if you were just sort of in the moment responding to it and not thinking of those terms, if you might have actually gotten less confused. You mean if the framework can take precedence in the thinking over what's over what's going on in the moment? Right. I mean, almost by definition, a framework gives you a way to organize messy data into neat categories. It's possible. The only way for me to know that for sure is to be able to check it out with you in the moment when it's happening and saying, this is what I'm hearing. This is, this is what I'm understanding. This is what you really mean. Right. So here's, um, here's an alternate framework that I've used. Um, and I'm curious how it intersects with the helper-seeker framework. And the sense, uh, the idea is, is the person who has a concern. Uh, and, and so, uh, for example, with, with David and I, we often get tied up in the roles of who's helping whom. But one way that I've been trying to focus on that is say, well, what are we concerned about? And, you know, if David's concern is that I'm, uh, handling the group wrong, then he wants to help me. He's not exactly a seeker, uh, but he has a concern that needs to be addressed. And so, right. and so you know, that, I was thinking about that. If I had said, you know, Janet, I have a concern, and this is my concern, uh, then the focus is less on who's taking his role as, as, a, as opposed to who has the concern. And um, you know, my wife and I are trying to do the thing where we start by saying, you know, hey, I'm just checking in, or I have a concern, and I'd like to talk about it. And knowing that it's a matter of concern uh, gives us a framing for understanding it. And it seems to me, at least naively, that the person with the concern could either be a seeker or the helper. Uh, yeah, they or, can. The rules can first, um, uh, and, and it can be very complex. I'm wondering if concerns could actually simplify that. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you're right. See, that's what that's what's hard, and that's what it's really hard to keep from you know jumping to an opinion or a conclusion or therefore a judgment, which is undeserved before everything is really known or understood. Things can get kind of messy, and so. Um, but to bring this back into, you know, if me telling you more about my concern that I shared and I said something about, it seems like Ernie is also running this like a self-help group, that, mm -hmm. uh, that isn't necessarily a, a, a negative for, for me. Um, mm -hmm. but, but what I like is the idea of, 
that we can all be on the page, the same page for, or at least close to it. Nobody's ever going to be totally agreement on how to define that, which I think is a mistake we run down. We're trying to define things too much instead of just getting into the nitty-gritty real life of it in, in, in immediacy, you know, in the moment. Anyway, but I say that I'm okay with that. I would be on, on board for any of us being able to jump in and and have our group as as uh, feedback not only for our interpersonal lives but our interpersonal communications in the group because I think that is loving like Jesus loved. I think that is. But um, but what what I'm hoping is is that uh, we stop analyzing things as much and just and can just get down to a nitty gritty thing of what we're enjoying about in our fellowship in the group and doing that. And analyzing is important. Let's put it in its proper place. Yeah, David and I agreed on this framework of sort of revelation, reason, and experience. Like we, we have some insight or, you know, something like that, and then we reason about it, and then we have an experience. Yeah. And you need, and the important thing is to close the loop, right? If you get bogged down in any one step, uh-huh. then um, you fail to move forward. But as long as you're closing the loop, then you're iterating towards more effective action or better understanding or hopefully all of the above. Um, to your right. point, yeah, it, it, very explicitly, uh, the reason I founded this group is that I want to, I, I phrase it different ways, but I want to be more like Jesus. And yeah. I feel like I had exhausted my existing alternatives for that. And so the, uh, I, I've said. I really think you have. Before, what? Exhausted your alternatives for voting to be more like Jesus? I, don't, I think it takes yeah, care of anybody. Yeah, the sense that. Um, you know, there are a lot of groups which are very powerful and beautiful and emotional, but um, they don't close the loop. They're either primarily intellectual or primarily experiential or primarily revelatory. You know, here's revelation. This is what God says. Okay, that's good. Um, now, how do I process that and turn that into practical experience? Well, you're on your own. It's like, yeah. well, okay, I can try and do that, but it's hard and very inefficient. And so um, that's what I really like about this group. And so I, I can't really, you know, first of all, I am just blown away that other people are willing to go on this journey. The fact that we had nine or 10 people on the call uh, was just sort of mind boggling to me because I believe David's criticisms about the group and my leadership are all entirely fair. Like it's not clear what we're doing and people are frustrated. Um, but I am excited that people are encountering something that makes them want to come back, even if we're not sure what it is. You see, that's the beauty of this whole thing, um, because because that is happening. Because you are you are um, continually getting closer. In this last meeting that we had last Tuesday, it was closer than you've ever been before to everybody really contributing and and re- really being in the moment and loving more like Jesus and being encouraging at the same time. 
And, yeah, uh, and that was really yeah, mostly the, the long and painful courtship of getting David Johnson to take over. <laughs> yeah, well, all of that. It, it was all positive, positive, positive. It can feel negative if it's around a conflict, um, but that's what life is. Life is around conflict, and life is around I have a problem with you. Because we all have right. problems not only with ourselves, but we have problems with everybody else in our life. That there are things we like and don't like and have to share. When you can, you, when the 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 better the the, the group problem solves uh, with conflict, the more they're going to love like Jesus. It just goes hand in hand. And yeah, and I've never been part of a all... group where they actually. Uh... So, you know, and I don't know how much credit I can take for any of this, uh, but the fact that this group, and that's why I was so excited when, when, when Steve told me off on episode one, was that, what? yes, we finally have it, because I believe, as you do, I think, that, you know, working through conflict is the most important skill we can have. And interestingly, in season four, when we tried it, it was too easy, right? The, wait a minute, the, the, wait a minute, again. When right. we tried what, it was too easy. When we tried to do di- training dialogues. In oh yeah, uh, no, I, I wasn't to to do this this kind of level of thing with that training dialogue. And 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 you have to understand when you guys asked me to share my passion, this is a secret helper thing. You know, this is you you were saying, okay, Janet, where is the seeker? Can you show us as the helper what your passion is? That's all I was doing. I was not doing group therapy here. And and yeah, any no, of the no, examples no. not. It was just this is what this is what I might attempt to say uh is a little bit of what this is about. Uh no, it 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 was not at all appropriate for us to be able to actually you know jump in and uh except to get us started in the group to think about the concepts, but that's what it might accomplish but all i was trying to do was saying i care about this stuff and i love it let me see if i can find an example to to do with you guys because i care about this i was thinking we were going to have bill share the next week what's his passion and it might be trains i mean and then i was thinking well i think there's two things well the if it was training that wouldn't necessarily be if it was training that would be on topic um but just to be clear, I wasn't meaning that to be a criticism of you or, or like I think it was really, really important and useful that we did that. But one of the lessons we learned from that is by the very nature of of a teaching format, uh, it's a safe space, mm-hmm. and you need to sort of control the variables. And so uh-huh. it made me aware of the fact that like, huh, you know, it was really cool, but it was kind of anemic. It wasn't transformational. Right, it was informational. We learned some things that yeah. didn't really shake us up, and so it was uh, just kind of hilarious to me that as I was trying to figure out what to do for the next season, uh, that I sort of put my foot in it and triggered the the incident as we're calling it, and then suddenly it's like, okay, good. Now we get to practice this for real, and and um, you know we can draw yeah. on all the stuff that we've learned. But and, that, and that's actually, I think, what, um, and, and this is precisely why this is hard to do, is that most groups are structured to avoid 
um, unpredictable conflict. Absolutely, right, and that's the problem. That, yeah. Yeah, and so the question is, is, well, how do you, I mean, is it even moral to structure a group to engender conflict is an interesting question. Um, and, you know, people have gone back and forth as we've been discussing it. It's like, well, I'm not saying we should seek out conflict, but on the other hand, if we seek to avoid conflict. Uh, so I think what um, David did, this is actually really quite impressive, is he created a safe space to be unsafe. Yes. To say dangerous, awkward things, and then, you know, try to... Uh, back it down if it gets out of control. Um, and, you know, the, um, you know, this interesting um, rhythm almost of, you know, we spend some time studying the Bible and working on sort of personal development. And then um, we have some periods of sharing and issues come up that take a while to process. And then we, um, you know, work through that. And then if we have uh, no more pressing issues, we kind of go back to a sort of baseline of studying scripture and working on things. I mean, that kind of feels like what a healthy community should do. Okay. Is we have a, a baseline, uh, but we... Uh, have the ability to jump off the baseline in response to human needs. Still uh, there? And, and, and say that the baseline again is what? The baseline for me is on... something like DBS. Like, it, it feels to me like the heartbeat of a group should be, like, the thing that we, our regular practice, so let me articulate this more better, is the idea that you know, if we can work this out, you know, who knows how it's going to evolve. But the current thinking is uh, the normal default option of the group is to look to Scripture and ask Jesus to disciple us by listening to his word and obeying it. That seems like a good regular practice that we should be doing as much as possible. Um, but the flip side of that, which is one of the things that I learned, uh, you know, talking through things with David, is that because it's so structured, and because people tend to naturally, like we're talking about frameworks, right? People try to fit things into the structure, and if they don't fit, they ignore it. And so if we, we need to add space in the structure, either during the meeting or every few meetings, where we spend time saying, hey, uh, how is everyone doing? Is there anything that is uh, on your heart that you feel like we need to deal with? And, you know, but I always uh, find those two questions woefully inadequate, and the reason is they're they they're very they're too open, they're too open ended, because and, and whenever you ask a very general open ended question, usually what that generates is a general open ended ended answer, or non specific answer. So if you ask me, hi, Janet, how am I doing? Take, let's take some time to talk about it. I have to be skilled enough to under, to, to, to say, um, to know exactly how I'm doing in the first place, to recognize that I have um, a depression in my heart and then be able to articulate it. And sometimes when, when we, with our most, 
difficult and confusing conflicts even that we have with ourselves. Uh, we often need more specific questions to guide us through how to articulate it back to share it properly or to share it so that the group can really have empathy with it. Open-ended gets um, general responses. More specific questions gets better targeted responses, more intimate responses. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. So here's, here's a couple of possible questions because we're trying to flush this out or I'm trying to flush this out in my own mind. What is at the beginning of the group just asking, they would have anything going on in their life that's making it hard, hard for you to focus on the study today. You know, if someone's had a crisis or an urgent thing come up, um, and then you know, we have some time to hear them out, pray for them, possibly if it's a really grave thing uh, during the meeting. Most of the time, it'll be no, but at least creating space so that there is a way for people to sort of pull the emergency cord if they need it. Does that, does that seem like a reasonable question? To pull the immediacy cord when they need it? Did you say yeah, that? To say that? Does anyone have something going on in their life uh, that will make it hard for you to focus on the study today? Yeah, uh, I think we're just going to have to work on that one a little bit, and we'll learn more as we go about what, what okay, generates so more. Trying, yeah. Yeah, the second thing I think is more interesting, uh, and this is something hopefully that uh, Bill would uh, appreciate, is that we have a lot of focus on what is God saying to each of us. And it occurs to me that it would actually be really useful to say, um, is there anything you think God might be saying to the group, might be wanting to say to the group through this passage? Um, uh, that, that's a good thought. And that's something to put out to the group while we're in group. Yeah, it occurred to me that if we had done that, then that might have been a great place for David to raise his concern about Steve as a lost sheep. And then it would have been on topic for the group to discuss it as opposed to, uh, well, that's what God's saying to David, and we just respect that and move on. So I think that would be well, I mean, not I have... a complete solution, but it seems like they could possibly help with some of these issues. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about a mixed message, the way that David brought the subject to the table was more mixed message that, I mean, so much mixed message that that was really blatant and very, very confusing and very negative on uh, uh, the way I experienced David was, was, was very confusing and, and very negative. You're like, what is he doing now? Come on, David. You know, uh, and that's because I didn't understand what he what he was doing. Um, I wasn't. I didn't agree with him first, and I think most of the guys weren't really agreeing with him first either. Anyway, uh, I'm, but but clearly, when he clarified exactly what he was wanting, then 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 I think I and the rest of the guys go, oh yeah, okay, let's try this. Yeah, well, it's the same thing where I'm saying that, you know, obviously I don't think that was the ideal way it could have done, but uh, uh, I blame part of that on the design, right? And that's what I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of my whole mantra about this, is that if we can design our interaction better, it'll be easier for people to do the right things. And so... That's about 
training and, and, and giving everybody some self-revelation skills? Um, training is good, but it's harder. It's right? hard, yeah. Because training people, people, people which, is, which is why I much prefer, where possible, I want to solve things with design rather than training. Because you saw them, like, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the classic example is a door where people were pushing it when it opens the wrong way or pulling it the wrong way. And so the design solution to that is you have a push plate on one side where you push the door, which is hard to pull. And then you have a handle on the pull side, uh, which is, uh, you know, uncomfortable to push. And so in one case, it's, on the one side, it's automatically solved. In the second case, it's relatively quickly solved. Um, and eventually people learn the system and it can become even more efficient. And so, mm -hmm. uh, so the best thing is design that people intuitively do the right thing. The next best is design that lets people quickly figure out if they're doing it wrong and do it better. And then the, the worst from a design perspective is something where you have to train somebody in advance before they can use the thing safely. And there are things like that. Uh, I'm more with what you're saying. Complex for most of them. No, I, I agree with how you're putting this. That's that's okay. Um, so it's a design design mentality. Uh, and sure, that's exactly what we need to be able to do. I'm, uh, so well, having said all that, I think the interesting thing is that there are certain things that have to be trained. Uh, and interesting what that set of things is like. One is when you have to untrain spontaneous responses, uh, like um, we mentioned about, you know, the the the, uh, the desire to explain things the way a teacher does, which may not be appropriate in this context. And uh, the other thing is um, learning to see things differently is the thing you have to train. Alluding um, to what? Learning to see things differently. For example, um, my father-in-law is a dog show judge. He can look at a dog and tell you uh, its uh, exact size within like a quarter inch uh, and also knows all the breeds and also can probably tell you the gender and age of the dog by looking at it just because he's trained his eye. And, you know, design can make certain things obvious, uh, but in a really large configuration space, uh, you just have to train yourself to see things. Um, and then, you know, transformational values is another kind of training, I suppose, um, which, again, design can help with, but there's also a, I mean, well, I said there's experiences which design can help with, and then there's revelation, which is encounters with God that uh, you can't really control, but you can make it easier for it to happen um, and reduce distractions, too. Anyway. I just felt the need to argue against myself there after ragging on training and praising design. Well, oh. you're you're on to something because the group is growing in a positive direction, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and the interesting thing, I think this is one reason where David and I differ, is David sort of wants everyone united around the same purpose. And my sense is that people have different overlapping purposes or at least different ways of different things that they find meaningful, right? So Robbie and Eric are really into this idea of discovery Bible study because um, that's a huge part of their lives and they're very interested Bobby, in that sort of intrinsically. 
Robbie Butler. What are Robbie? They really want to study the Bible stuff? So, so uh, Robbie Butler and Eric Christensen, both are part of the missions community, where DBS is like the biggest thing that's happened in missions since translating the gospel. Uh, and so they're very familiar with it. It's a really important part of their lives and their profession. And they, so they're sort of intrinsically interested in anything to do with DBS, Discovery Bible Study, uh, especially as it applies oh, to the Western world. Which is what we were doing when you asked me to well, facilitate week. Right, yeah. And so they had an intrinsic interest in that, which that, you know, other people I think were curious about it, but they didn't have the same level of interest in it because they didn't have the same history with it. Uh, I actually don't have the same history with DBS. I'm interested in it for a different reason because I'm trying to solve a different problem. But that's okay. Yeah, well, okay. I'm, I'm very interested. You can put me up with uh, Eric and, um, and Robbie. Um, mm. I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in that method. I see it as a, as a successful method. Um, but I think that you can incorporate more of what you're saying into it. So I, if you're interested in that method for your own reasons, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes and where that takes it. You can take that whole discovery Bible method up a couple notches. Yeah. So okay. I'm just curious, so. what, what is it about, what, uh, if I'm trying to write trace for this, which buttons for you does that push? Like, what is the thing that you were already interested in or curious about that DBS um, fits into or resonates oh. with? Sorry, Ernie. It's slow. Say it slow. I mean, it, I can. Sorry. It's coming through like again through a rag. I can't. I can't make out the words. Okay. Breathe deeply. Okay. You said, are you so, Okay, I'm trying to breathe and slow down. It's not your fault. It's the stupid connection. Well, it, <laughs> it's yeah, I have to adapt to the limitations of the connection, and frankly, I should slow down in my speech anyway, so that I am more relaxed. Anyway, so the question is, uh, why does DBS resonate with you? As in, which things were you already interested in or excited about that DBS resonated with? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. And it, it, um, it has to do with how I grow and mature in my emotional and spiritual life and interpersonal communications. Mm. How I actually do that, the, the root way of how much I grow is how, how much I is, is reading the scriptures. Or not just reading, but assimilating them. Mm. Getting it, getting, getting it into my, into my being. However, it, however, it injects into my being. So if it's with reading a, a piece every day, or reading through and memorizing a big chunk every day, or listening to who a Mackie doing a lecture and then going back and looking at the scriptures themselves, or going through Ken Bailey's stuff or N.T. Wright's stuff and going back and looking at the scriptures. But it's as I assimilate them from a variety of ways, 
then I'm actually learning so much about uh, and growing in love, in interactions, and getting myself into all kinds of altercations with people in my life. Some of it's positive. Some of it is like, you know, Janet, you don't know what you're doing, but just go through it, and it, and then things positive happen out of it. It can be kind of messy, you know. But like I was trying to share a few sessions ago, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the script. I'm assimilating the scriptures somehow. And, mm-hmm. and I can't meeting people who end up wanting to talk to me about it. And I don't even have to hardly bring up the conversation. Yeah. And I'm sharing the Lord with people who don't know him. And I'm excited about my relationship with the Lord and they're want, and they're asking me, you know, why are you like this? This this one lady said to me the other day, she says, I've got so many really ugly Christian people in my life, you know, and family is one mm. I never want to have in my life. But you're not like that, Janet. I want to know what makes you different. Mm. Because I like your Jesus. And I'm going, okay, I'll introduce you to him. Yeah. And he's like this and this and this to me. And they're like, oh, really? I've never heard that before. You mean he really is? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, because it is in the scripture, even though it was written 2,000 years ago and is an ancient document and kind of funky, you know, but I can get this, this thing out of it. And here's what it means. And before I know it, this one, la- this one lady was listening, and the other lady that was standing next to her started crying. And she says, that is beautiful. And so... I'm saying, as I assimilate the the scriptures in whatever way they can come in at me, the the scriptures do have the power to do this as we glean meaning from them. And I think it's an integral part of a group. You're going to miss out on the best counselor in the whole world because because as it assimilates into us, it provides this life, this vitality in, in relationship. So that's why I believe that that uh, you know that's an integral part of of any any group, Christian or otherwise. Um, yeah. It's just that other kinds of groups don't have the scriptures, but we have this fabulous tool that can do this. And and um, most uh, churches and studies degrade the scriptures into. Something that you learn like you're in a classroom, educate, understand, analyze, mm. and therefore it can work. That's not what assimilating the scriptures is. But it is getting those scriptures and their meanings into you any way you possibly can do it. And it can be your way. Anyway, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I mean by it. Cool. I love that framing of assimilating scripture. Where, do you know where you got that from? No, just my head just now. Oh, wow. Okay. We should trademark it. <sighs> that was a joke. Okay. I think I said... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear it then. <laughs> oh, I said uh, maybe we should trademark it, assimilating scripture. Oh, I know. Yeah, we should. It, 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 we should. It's like, you know, bring it into the board or something. Um <laughs> My Star Trek reference. Thank you. 
it's 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 it it just works this way. Uh, so to um, minimize the scripture, either intentionally or unintentionally, is something to guard against because we're cheating ourselves out of the greatest, greatest life and love generator in that that there is in existence. All right. I think that's a good note to close on. Thank you very much, Janet. Thank you very much for being part of the group and continuing to be part of the group. Oh, I love you guys. Valued. And, uh, yes. Oh, I, I, I love you all. I'll be more mindful of no. my signals. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely am in and want to be a part of everything, even if something goes, Janet, what do you, you know? I don't feel that way anymore. I've worked through some of those feelings. Um, really, really want to. I, I enjoy every single one of you guys and hope that we can be lifetime friends. Yeah, no, I think we are starting a long journey. And uh, God only knows where it will go, but um, that's okay. All right, have a yeah. good week, Janet. Talk to you Tuesday, okay, if you not too. sooner. Bye. Okay, all right.